Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the show. I'm Ben Gothard, your host, and today we have the honor of speaking with Brandon Yaust. How you doing there, Brandon? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Wonderful. So I really want to know, and I want to jump right into it. Yep. What is your story? My story? Well, uh, it's very vanilla for the most part, but you know, I got into corporate finance, doing the whole college thing, just doing what you're told, and... And you find out that you're just kind of being pushed along. And then in your mid-20s, you figure out what you actually want to do. And uh, somehow I ended up in food and agriculture. And that's where I find myself now. So I know I skipped over a whole lot there, but I promise you it's just not that interesting. Um, so, yeah, I work in the food and ag space, talk to a lot of small farmers. I have companies that sort of t- have touch points all along the process there. And now with the, the new project, Urban Farm Academy, uh, that's, that's my passion right now. So in the beginning, why did you decide to go the, the finance route? I mean, wh- there had to have been something to push you in. Yeah, well, I, I started with entrepreneurship, and I think I was onto something there because I had no idea, man. You know, you're in high school, you have no idea what you want to do. And uh, yeah, I started with entrepreneurship, but then my brother was a few years ahead of me and he was killing it and in finance. And I think I was just like college was so much money and you're like, I'm going to have a bunch of student debt. And you just start thinking about the safety and security of a paycheck. And I, I, I went down that rabbit hole, unfortunately, and switched over to econ and finance. And it took me a, it took me a couple of years to realize, you know, I'm, I'm looking across the office and I see the guy that I'm going to be in 10 years. And I was just like, no, I, I can't. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't do that. You know, so uh, something had to change. And thank God I had a job. I could take my time. I can be patient. I even went as far as moving back in with mom and dad just to save money because now, now I really had to work on something, you know, because it's... My life double sucks now. So um, that allowed me to kind of figure out what I actually wanted to do with my life. And I've been growing food. I've been cooking for myself, not professionally in any manner ever. But I decided to combine those two interests and create a business for myself. When you looked across and saw the person that you could have been in 10 years, what about that were you like, oh, no, no way? It was just six feet across the room. When I work for 10 years to move six feet. Like, that just seemed very uninteresting and unimportant to me. Like, pushing numbers around a computer. I'm, okay, we can all make a story how it's great and serving people and helping people, but I just also felt extremely disconnected. You know what I mean? So I was just the type of person, you know, there's a state park next to the office. I would go there in the morning at lunch and then after work, and I just had to get out of that office. Just the environment, just as humans. I just don't think it's the greatest thing. And we can create whatever world we want to create. We can decide that for ourselves. We can decide that as a culture. And I was coming across the right resources, the right podcasts, the right books that kind of said, hey, you have the control to do whatever you want. So uh, obviously in a smart, logical manner, which is the hard part, uh, but I went for it. Why'd you use the word disconnected? Because, man, life's about enjoying yourself and leaving a legacy for others, you know, family and connection and friendships and all these products and services and everything, it's allows us to be distracted and, you know, social media has kind of taken over people's attention and it doesn't actually make them feel better. 
So what, what are we missing out on? There's, I think, you know, society has kind of gone in a direction, and I think sometimes we need to step back and recalibrate a little bit and saying, are we going down the right path? And not to say that we're going down the wrong path, but just for me, the corporate lifestyle being, you know, just an employee at a company that was totally in control of my future, uh, that just didn't, that didn't make sense to me anymore. So when you're talking about this recalibration, obviously you have to recalibrate to something else, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So what is that? I mean, what, what are you going for? What's the aim? Is it the feeling of, of being connected? Mm-hmm. Is it the freedom to be more in control of your own destiny? Is yep. it like, what, what are you really searching for at the end of the day? I guess freedom is a good word. And I think people look at freedom in two ways. I had a pretty smart coworker of mine who's still there. He, he explained it. He's, you know, I was on my high horse a little bit saying, oh, I'm planning this. I'm going to get out and do this. And he's like, yeah, you know what? But um, work allows me to do whatever I want outside of work. And I was like, all right, respect. I, I get that. But at the same time, for me, I look at it like they're controlling my five of seven days a week. That's not really freedom. Now, everyone has a different definition of freedom. Of course. So, like, we're in America. Freedom, you know? So, like, whatever, wherever your line in the sand is, that's cool. Like, I don't, I don't judge that. But for me, I mean, it's about, you know, being a human that wants to take ownership of their own life. And to do that, you know, I... For me, it, that way is through business and creating a income streams and a life for yourself that feels good. You know, being involved in food and agriculture and trying to push the ball forward and solve some of the problems that we, we have and trying to do it in a profitable way, that all feels good to me. So thank God I was patient enough and took the time to really look at my life, what I actually enjoyed doing. Not like, that looks cool. I'm going to go do that. No, I was... I was already growing some food. I was already cooking for myself, and I decided to take my my interests and turn it into a business. So it seems like at the end of the day, what you're drilling down to is feeling good. Mm-hmm. Is is that feeling purpose? And purpose can come in a lot of different ways. I I think the more wholesome approach you take towards that, uh, the better off you'll be. I mean, a lot of people. People find purpose through kids, you know, through having children. Mm-hmm. Totally get it, you know. For me, I don't, that's that's not at all what I want right now. So for me, finding purpose means I'm working towards something. I have goals I'm, I'm achieving. I'm growing my skill set. I'm doing bigger, more ambitious things than I ever would have thought just a couple of years ago. So that recalibration is now for me is, well, now I'm not afraid to do that. Oh, this feels afraid. Now, now I did it. Now I don't feel afraid. And there's always, you're just kind of leveling up, you know? So that's kind of the mode I'm in right now. And, and thank God, because when you quit your job, when you decided to start something new, uh, the whole self-improvement thing is forced upon you, sort of. You, you're like, oh, I got to figure this out. <laughs> and so you start reading all the books. You start listening to all the podcasts. You get really serious about uh, creating you, like, building up your infrastructure, you know, who you are. And uh, I never was totally serious about that before because it's easy to just get by. Like I can, I can do a pretty jo- good job of not getting fired. I, I wasn't great at that job because I don't even like numbers and I was in finance and that's a problem. But I had enough interpersonal skills, I suppose, where I can get by and collect a paycheck, but then you're just existing. And I felt like I was just existing and that that's not purposeful. There's no purpose for me in that because, again, I, right in my life, I don't want kids. I, so I got to find purpose elsewhere. 
Well, first of all, I love the, you know, going to the root of things like this because mm -hmm. I think it's really powerful for people to hear, oh, yeah, I wasn't happy doing that. And this is really what about it I wasn't happy with. And this is what I did to, to change it. And this is what I was searching for. And so you use the word wholesome. And I think that coupled with this idea of improvement and getting better and getting better and getting better, mm -hmm. obviously, they, they, to me, they go hand in hand. It's not, maybe it's not obvious, but to me, they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, but what does whole look like? Well, talk about a, a recalibration again. You have to reconsider what wholesome looks like. And I didn't want to get into a business that didn't actually help other people. Now you can always tell a story where it, it, it make it sound like you're going to help them. And mm -hmm. maybe, yeah, you're covering up some blemish that they have that makes them feel better. But you know, we have so many problems on, on the planet. It's like, there's so much opportunity. There's so much opportunity to do something about it. And for me, a business that leaves a pile of trash behind wasn't wholesome. A business that wasn't pursuing an ideal, creating the world that I would like to see didn't, you know, wouldn't be wholesome. So I, I want to create the world that I want to live in and I'm doing it on my small scale. I'm attempting to do it on a bigger scale. And I feel like I've done that. I'm four, four years in, I have the life that I wanted, I dreamed of, and I'm enrolling friends. We have a bunch of businesses we're starting and kicking ass and I, I couldn't be more grateful. And I just want to allow that same possibility for other people because I decided it was a lot of hard work. It continues to be hard work, but I'm, I'm living my life the way I want and I just set an intention and every day went about making it happen. So I'm interested in this idea of creating yourself, which I believe you use that term. I think it's an awesome term mm -hmm. and really designing and creating the life that you want to live mm -hmm. and being very intentional about that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious how did you develop that philosophy? And because it seems like it doesn't just happen. Yep. I mean, maybe it does, but that's why I'm asking the question. Mm -hmm. So how did you develop that? And once you had that idea of, okay, this is what I want to do, how long did it take you to put together the ideal life to figure out, okay, well, now I want to do X, Y, Z, go down this path and end up at this result? Yep. A big part of it's a process of elimination almost. You, you almost... I'm not some super visionary where I saw my future and exactly what it looked like. And it looks exactly like that, but I, I knew what I didn't like and that was what I was doing. So let's not do that. So that takes away a whole, like getting the business for myself, do something that works towards an ideal, something positive. So I'm already, and then my interest, my, you know, agriculture and, and food. So it, you see, I'm like whittling it down, whittling it down. It's still very broad, agriculture and food, but okay. But like, what's my, what's my angle? And I had, I was giving myself all the time in the world to do, to figure that out because I went to college. I left with a hundred thousand dollars in debt and I hadn't paid off even half of it by the time I decided to do this. But I also promised myself I would never miss a debt payment for that. I wasn't going to defer. I wasn't going to do anything like that. So that, that puts these like restrictions or it, it forced me to think in a way that I would build a business so adaptable it couldn't fail. And that helped me so much. So combining industries and giving myself a lot of pivot points allowed me to, to find a business model that maybe my first iteration 
of what I'm going to put on the market isn't accepted by the market, but I'm going to keep shifting and, and like finding the thing that works, works for my lifestyle, but also works for the market. So your intention was to fail proof your business Yep. so that regardless of where you wanted to take it. And you know, if you just wake up one day and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. this is the epiphany I've been looking for. Then you could just, <clears throat> excuse me, you could just pivot to that yep. and at any point you could shift and it would totally be fine. Yep. I mean, for me, it, food and agriculture, you need a greenhouse and you need a kitchen. For me, the kitchen, I built a food truck. And if I didn't like the food aspect, I could sell it. I built it myself while I was living with my mom and dad. So now this was an asset that I can use as a piece. If I didn't like that part, sell it. I have a profit. I can now take that to pivot you know, with the greenhouse thing or vice versa. You know what I mean? So uh, having that adaptability where I can... Like if, if I were to just quit my job and put everything on the line with one business idea that I can't really pivot around, I mean, what's your odds of success? Like I can tell you right now I would have failed, but because I had the freedom and knowing that I can work all these different angles, like when you have a food truck, man, you can do events, you can just do the farmer's market. For me, it didn't even leave my property. I just used it as a kitchen that I can once a week just have a client base I could deliver meals to. So uh, all this lifestyle design and, and ability to pivot was, I would... I was happy to take the time to figure that out because I had no idea what I was doing and I still don't, but I'm figuring it out along the way. You know what I mean? Getting a little bit closer every single yep, day. Exactly. I love that. So now that you're here and it seems like you've done a lot of work on yourself, a lot of work on your business, what questions do you still have about yourself? Hmm. What's sometimes I do ask myself because I have to, I can't be so naive to believe that I'm actually going to change the world. I am working towards it. My ability to communicate well is going to be largely dependent on the impact that I can make. But just from a personal perspective, like what's my end goal? What, what am I working towards? And I do think about this a lot because I mean, I'm doing what I want. I, I have the life I want. I don't have $10 million in the bank yet, but somehow. I just don't care. Like the the process, the process that I'm going through, my day to day, it's freaking awesome. And and so just that, just enjoying the moment and not needing to know. Like I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right things. I'm meeting the right people. I'm having more fun than I'm ever having in my life. Businesses are doing great. So I don't I don't I don't put that kind of pressure on myself and I'm okay with that because I I have a guiding light a sense and that's the projects and the mission that I'm working towards but as far as like where am I in 40 years I don't know it could be something completely different and I'm okay with that because I don't pretend to know who I'm going to be in 40 years so the question is what is my end goal where am I really going mm-hmm. and why but why is that the question if, if everything's hunky-dory and you're feeling good about it why is that still a question because you're always trying to make sure that what you're working towards is something that you're going to enjoy. You know, a lot of my businesses are growing. And so that requires that that's a different, it's a different animal every year or two. We're doing different stuff, doing different things. There's more people involved. That's leading to something that I'm not doing now. So I want to make sure that whatever it's leading to is also okay. Also just as good, maybe better. Maybe I take a short term, you know, whatever, but I just want to make sure I really got to protect the lifestyle I've created, the people around me, all these things, I have them, let's not screw it up. 
So um, I'm okay not having the answer, but I think I need to take a step back, look at what I'm doing and make sure, like, because I get crazy ideas all the time and it might lead me somewhere where I don't want to. So I have to constantly like revisit, sleep on things and all that because if I, if I just get to don't think things through, they can fall apart fast. Hmm. So how do you actually go through that decision-making process? Because I feel like a lot of people, they're on a path and they're like, ooh, squirrel, ooh, something else. And, you know, yep. they like go into 4,000 different directions at the yep. same time. So how do you actually go through that decision-making process of, okay, maybe I can incorporate this, maybe I can push this to the side, or no, I'm doing a full-on pivot, or, you know, whatever the options yeah. are. How do you actually go about making that decision? Ha having a little bit of success helps because you don't have to react so much. So, you know, if things are going well enough where you can make the best decision instead of a reactive decision, that really helps. And most of my day is literally, if you came to my house and you watched me work, you would say, but, but where's the work? You know, because I'm in my own head all day. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a thinking kind of person. Uh, my job is to, you know, see the vision for things and then have my people go execute it. So I do a lot of thinking. Self-reflection is like 80% of my day. So I don't have to schedule a time. I don't have to write it down. It's just always in my thought process. So when you're thinking about a new idea or when you're going about your day in this reflection time, this reflection period, like what are the actual thoughts that are running through your mind? Like how do you evaluate things? How do you come up with the new ideas? Like what does that reflection actually look like? Uh, it's really a gut check. You know, everything is timing. Is this the right person? Are these the right people? Is this the right, right way to go? And it's not like I always get to dictate and decide for myself either because it's a, it's a collaboration. You know, I don't have employees. I really feel like I have partners and their happiness is just as important as mine. And like my job is to make sure that they're happy because if they're happy, I'm happy. We've all created a world where we're doing what we want and everyone's in the best position to do what they do best. So as long as I have that right, I don't, I, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Just kind of staying true to what keeps you grounded and just doing the right things. Things either feel right or they don't. And I've learned to just trust my gut in a lot of ways. Not, it's not always right, but that's just experience. You can't, you can't read everything in a book and, and just be able to apply it perfectly. You've got to learn by making mistakes. And I've, I make them every day. And that's, but that's fine. Me too, brother. I'll be the first one to say. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like that's a necessary process because oh, sure. if you're too scared to try and to make the decision, then even when you find the right decision, you're too scared to go for it. You're too scared yeah. to do it. So I think you have to go to that iterative process of feeling it, doing some sort of evaluation, maybe just you know say, what the hell, I'm doing it. Yeah. And then over time, you kind of learn like – how you feel about something, what it actually looks like, and then you can make the best decisions from there. Yeah. A lot of us want to be an overnight success, but I think that's a curse because what my companies have grown into, I can, I can handle that. But if you would have just dumped that on me, like one year into your in, I wouldn't really know what to do with it. I wouldn't handle it well. I, I, I wouldn't, I wasn't as good of a leader, all those things. So things happen and in good time, you learn the lessons and you learn from your own mistakes. You can, you can try to read all the books you can and they're super helpful. But uh, I'm also one of these people that just needs to learn by failing on my own. Even though I know like I'm doing it wrong, I still tend to do it anyway, just to like 
feel it. Uh, so that's life though. And you've got to be out there experiencing life. If you're in your bedroom, if you can't get off the couch, you're not experiencing life. So the more you're out there talking to people, doing things, trying things, like no one's going to remember my half-baked emails. Like, and if they do, you know, I respect people that try, you know what I mean? So just, just out there doing things, you, you kind of, you figure it out, but there's no, there's no real shortcuts there. I love what you said about if somebody would have dumped all the success on you year one, you wouldn't have known what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's such a critical ideology or, or, or a critical concept of like, in order for us to grow our projects, grow our businesses, mm-hmm. grow the things that we're doing, the secret is we have to grow as people. Right, <laughs> because right. if we can't handle it, how do we expect to be able to do it? Yeah, and, I, and I've learned, you know, I have different companies that, you know, different ones local, some are national, and, the, you know, the national ones, oh, it's scale up, scale up, scale up. But you learn, like, look at WeWork or, or like uh, Airbnb or Uber. Uber's the greatest example. Like, they lost money. You know, it, how does Uber lose money? They, they've, they've gone so far into the scaling where I don't even know if they're going to exist anymore. So one of my companies is called Bootstrap Farmer. And that name came to me so clearly because I was doing that. It was my savings, a little bit at a time. I was doing all the work. I built the greenhouses by myself, all this stuff. And I just... That, that just, if it wasn't my money, if you would have, if you say, Hey, million dollars, I believe in you go, go do it. You would have lost every dollar, but it was my money. I had to use every dollar smartly. I didn't always, but, <laughs> but that it was necessary. You can't just, right. that's why lottery winners don't hang on to their money. It's the same. I really feel like it's the same thing. Absolutely. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the problem that you're solving right now. So can you detail and paint us a picture of specifically what you're trying to solve and the angle at which you're trying to solve it? Yep. So I was in corporate finance. I didn't like my job. I was looking for a way that I can create a business and life for myself that improved, improved the world, the planet, the country, whatever you want to say. Our, our food system is super fragile. We rely on national and global supply chains that could be interrupted, not to go down a crazy route, but they, they can be interrupted, no doubt about it. Wait, let's go down that crazy route. Sure. What do you mean? I mean, any glitch in the if power goes out, like a, a solar flare could knock out the satellites. And if we lose our satellites, all this communication between trucks and supply chains and logistics companies are out the window. And you can ha- imagine all the food just disappearing. Like, let's say something happened in New York City with all these people, the food disappears. I mean, people are going to grab as much as they can, and you better hope that you're paying attention. Just, just to say, like, you know, we don't have as much food security as we think. And whenever there's a problem like that, it's an opportunity. And I also, you know, I listen to all the business and entrepreneurship podcasts, and there's just so many people out there that are just looking for a business that, that does something good, that fulfills them, that's wholesome, like what I was saying. And I feel like I found that. I, we have a business model in Newburn, North Carolina, North Carolina that we grow our food, we harvest it, and we turn it into meals, and we deliver it to our customers. We basically own the supply chain. Like, yes, we're importing spices. We're always going to do that. They've been doing that for thousands of years. But what they weren't doing thousands of years ago is shipping beer bottles across oceans because it tastes a little better. Like, that, that's a recalibration, too. So now that I built that business model and my other businesses give me a platform to share it, that's, that's really the big picture of what we're trying to do now because... It's an opportunity for entrepreneurship. It's an opportunity for farmers to take leadership positions within their community. 
because it's saying instead of just growing heads of lettuce and saying I expect you to buy it because I'm local no you're looking for convenience and you're looking for food so it's my job as the farmer how do I make it convenient and how do I turn it into a product that you actually want so you know we make kombucha taco tacos pizza uh, we have a different menu every single week based on what's growing and I think you can deal with a little seasonality I think you can handle a little seasonality, but I'm not asking you to drive 20 miles out to me to buy some random tomatoes and some lettuce. Like that's, that doesn't work. And I think a lot of people in farming need to, need to understand we, we can always find the 2% of the community that will go to a farmer's market. But if we're trying to make an actual change, like a real mass change, we have to meet people where they want to be met. And that's, that's not at the farmer's market. That's in their homes, you know, for the most part. So we, we deliver it to them in a way that they'll actually consume it, which is a meal. So the problem is food security and convenience? Yeah. A lack of convenience. Well, it's food security. And the problem is there's a lot of people looking for a business opportunity, but there's, you know, they're just trying to sell widgets on Amazon. We don't need more widgets. We got plenty of widgets. And so part of the recalibration, you know, my disconnection, that's just how I feel about it. Again, it goes back to my disconnection with like, I come to New York City and my head just, it takes me a while. I'm just like, no, everyone's just so like out of touch. And, and so, but how do we make that happen again? Well, we got to bring food to them and we got to give them a product that they actually want. So we've been making ice pops for kids at our markets and it's like connecting them. Those were like the blackberries that we just picked, but they're eating it in an ice pop form. And that's kind of what we have to do. We have to like not be idealistic about it. We just, we've got to come at it like Walmart does. We've got to be convenient with products that they want where and when they want it. So if we can step up to the plate and just kind of, you know, adjust how we expect to do business, we can make that happen. And that creates more farms all across the country. And it's not some big corporation taking it over. I can, like I can grow basil and turn it into pesto and just make pestos. I can grow tea leaves and make kombucha. Like, these are business opportunities. You don't need kombucha that's made in California. You can get damn good kombucha that's made in New York. Uh, but we got to make it available where you can make it. Like, it's got to be in a spot where you're going to buy it, where you're going to walk by. So that's a massive opportunity. It's just a massive opportunity. And I don't think people see it because we're just kind of accepting that, oh, I could just grab a kombucha. Sure. But that's our job as farmers and entrepreneurs to fill that gap. So it seems like one of the a real problem or it's more of an opportunity for entrepreneurs to start their own farms and build this customer base of people who want food delivered to them. Yep. They want to eat locally. And at the same time, as a result of giving entrepreneurs this ability to create a new business model or, or maybe adopt this business model mm -hmm. As a result of that, you know, fast forward, we get a bunch of people to have a bunch of farms. Mm -hmm. Then there's more food security because all the food's coming from the farm yep. 10, 15 minutes away. We created a lot more businesses. We made food security a lot safer. Uh, that, that sounds good to me. We, we can get rid of a lot of the pesticides that we use. And just mono, monoculture agriculture is not good. It, you can't have fields and fields of the same thing. It's... It's just not a good way to go about business. We, we know this, right? So something has to change. And whenever there's a problem, there's an opportunity. And this is the opportunity in the way that I see it. And the way I saw it when I was sitting in the office and kind of pieced this together. It's like, if, 
if I can figure out a way to own the supply chain in my own way, that's, that's great. And that, I'm not, you can't franchise this. You can't like, farming is different everywhere. And I mean, I can put, I could put a, a farm in that little corner over there, a two by four footprint and grow microgreens and make products out of that. Like I can start anywhere, do so many different things. But so there's a lot of opportunity and people just have to understand that it's possible and see like, what about them has them wanting to make something unique in the hyperlocal food system. Like there's an opportunity to work with others in this local food system to make what we all do better. So we have our meal delivery service, but we also make the option to buy the locally roasted coffee available. The, the goat soaps that our friend makes, you know, those are available too. So now we're a locally made delivery service for locally made groceries. And that can, why can't that be done everywhere? That I mean, that absolutely can be done everywhere. So that's, that's, that's my thing. That's what I'm putting out into the world because I decided to do it and we're doing it. You know, Craven Local Food Market on Instagram. Check us out. Like, we're doing it. We do jar exchanges. You know, our customers, we just swap out jars every week. And so we're not leaving a pile of trash behind. Our scraps go to our chickens. I mean, it's not rocket science. So it seems like there is a huge opportunity and it solves a problem for, or it provides the opportunity for entrepreneurs, solves a problem of food security. And it seems like it's not, the, the concept is not that difficult to grasp. Obviously, doing it, the execution, mm -hmm. is hard work. Everything's but everything hard, is hard work. Yep. Um, so why hasn't it been done before? It's been done before. I mean, it, if you've ever had like a, a salsa at a local farm stand, it's, it's been done before. But I think the difference is we're trying to reach mass markets. And farmers have always been like, ingredients, here you go. But it's 2019. People are not looking for ingredients. If we can give them what they want, which is like food, something that they can just eat right now because most people aren't cooking for themselves, well, that, that's the shift. You know, that's, that's, what we, that's kind of how we've, it's gotten so crazy because not that farmers didn't step up, but we just kind of, all these products corporations made and they were great. But now we can say, I can make kombucha. Why, why do we gotta let them do it? I can make that. Or like pizza, like we, we, we grew all the toppings for it. Like we could do that. And so it's just a matter of making the little connection in your head saying, oh, I can do that. And if people do care about local food, even if they don't, I, I'm okay that I would just rather, if I can win on flavor and taste, because I will, because those things are so fresh, like I'm cutting herbs right in front of people and putting it in the ramen bowl. Like we do that. And that creates a, a little bit of a connection of like where your food comes from. You know, I'm in, I am in rural North Carolina where I'm at. It is barbecue country, but yet somehow we found our people that, that support what we do and love what we do. So if it can be done there, it can be done anywhere. So when you think of people starting their own farms and, you know, looking down the road, if a lot of people have their own farms, what happens if it becomes so self-sustaining to where everybody just has their own farms, so nobody needs to buy from anybody else because they have their own farms? Well, that, that, well, that would never happen because there's so many things you can grow, and you can never grow everything yourself as much as we all want to. You end up usually starting with like 50 things and then taking that back down to seven, going to three, going back up to six, and, you know, kind of settling somewhere around there. And there's just so many products we, we, we can make. Like, what do you, you know, think about what you eat on a weekly basis. 
each one of those things can be one farmer doing a specialty item that serves that need, right? So it could be pizza, ramen, you know, something like kombucha, something like that. So the opportunities are endless. I mean, we're, we're all out there eating all kinds of food. You know, we, we make Indian, you know, Chinese, like what we make it all because people's, you know, their, their tastes change day to day, just like mine do. I don't want the same thing every day. So just the opportunities are endless and the specialization, like there's a niching down going on with the spread of technology. Everyone's got to do, talk to smaller and smaller audiences, do something a little bit different and you will find your crowd just, I mean, that trend can also apply here. There's just so much opportunity. I, I will pay when we get there. Great. You know, <laughs> so then almost on the, on the other side, what happens if these local farms get big enough to where existing humongous farms are like, Hey, I'm going to buy that and or, or I'm going to start a, a price war or, you know, I'm going to start, I'm going to do something to where I'm going to run them off and, and get them out of the market. Like, how do you deal with that? We don't deal in commodities. And that's why I say, turn it into something. Take your heads of lettuce and turn it into a salad. You take a $2 head of lettuce that that mega farm's growing. Yeah, you won't, you won't compete with them. You know, people, they love organic, but they love a deal a little better, you know, for the most part. So I don't try to compete with them. I, I create something unique that they won't be able to, like... A big corporation won't have the connections we do with our client base. Like, we don't need to serve 5,000 people. We have about 50 subscribers. They love us. We love them. We talk to them. A, a corporation will never replicate that relationship. So this can't be, this can't be co-opted. I, I would love to have so many small farms creating so many unique products where we don't need those monoculture farms. Now, that, that's a little bit idealistic. That's a long way down the road, but... I mean, that there can be a future like that. So I think the future is exciting and I love really good food as do I think, mm-hmm. you know, I think everybody does. Yeah. So you know, I'm excited to see more, uh, more local farms around me. Yep. Uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully people start, start yeah. adopting it more. And, uh, and when we say farm, just keep in mind, this can be in your basement, your office, your backyard. On the Urban Farm Academy, we have a, a free course. It's saying this is how you start a farm in a two by four footprint, two foot by four foot vertical grow rack. You can grow herbs, microgreens. You can do starts. You can make a business just off of that. So don't, don't think you have to buy pastures or raise goats or chickens. Like farms look very different nowadays. They look. They also look like what they used to, but they also can look very different from what everyone else kind of thinks about when they hear the word farm. Cool. Well, I want to thank you very, very much uh, for for coming on the show today, sure, Brandon. Yeah. It's really been a pleasure, and I have one more question for you. Then mm-hmm. we'll then we'll wrap it on up. But what question should I be asking you that I just wouldn't think to ask? Hmm. Good, good question. Hmm. I would, it would be a question around why our assumptions, why we don't look at them and evaluate why they're assumptions. Like I go around and I buy a water or something. I'm, I'm in New York, I'm not, I need to go buy things. People want to put a bag in everything. And it's just like, well, why do we, 
Why are we putting a bag in a bag? It's very simple, but no one considers it. Like, yeah, people out in California kind of getting their stuff together on this and, and leading the charge. But the question is like, look at local breweries. We all have local beer available to us. Just think if that were the same with all of these things that we were talking about. Doesn't seem that far out of the reach and crazy, does it? I mean, people love drinking beer, so that took off. But people are starting to like kombucha. That's going to take off. So why wouldn't this be possible? Doesn't it just make sense like that we, we, have lo- we support our local producers and our local economies? Like, let competition win. Don't get me wrong. Competition's great. There always will be. There should be. And if you make crappy product, you shouldn't be in business. But there's, there's a hyper-local future, which we can create. And all we have to do is create it. Awesome. Well, thank you very, very much, Brandon. I do appreciate your time. And to everybody who's watching and listening, I want to thank y'all very, very much. Um, your, your time is very valuable, so I'm very grateful that y'all choose to share it with us today. So thank you very much. Thank you, Brandon. And I will see you all in the next episode. Take care now.